0: Uh, I want to invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. I want to share with you tonight uh, one of the verses or the passages in the Bible. And look, if you're on TikTok, just pretend you didn't get a sample of the sermon tonight. But one of the passages of scripture that I am so thankful for. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. We're going to turn there in a moment. But as I was driving to the church tonight, I was coming from Ridgely to get here and I passed this spot, um, I believe, I guess it's in Greensboro technically, but I passed this spot today where we used to, I say used to like it was a long time ago, but I was working for Young Life, so it wasn't that long ago. um, And there was this spot where we would go on the river and we would swing off this rope swing into the river. And so one day we get to the rope swing and like a half of the rope swing was cut off somehow. And so it's there's a platform on a tree you climb the tree and like the rope swing is cut in half and the platform usually you can just grab the rope and swing off the platform but the rope's in half and not only that but the 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 like steps to get to the platform are broken and so I had this moment where it's me and a couple of the guys. I won't call them by name because they may watch this and I will go down on this ship alone. Uh, but we're like, you know what? We're not, we came here, we drove all the way here, we're gonna go on this rope swing. Uh, so we're not turning around and going home. We need to come up with a plan. We need to think up a plan and we need to put it into action to get to the rope swing because we did not come out here for nothing. So here's our plan. We realized that if you ran just right, and you kicked off this tree to that tree, you grabbed this limb and you swung up from the limb onto the platform with some momentum, you'd have enough speed to jump all the way to the rope in the middle of the river and you could swing on it. I said I wasn't gonna use names, but Cody Reese went first. Joshua loved love that. And so if we go and we're like trying to do this, we're jumping one, two, three, and we get to the platform and we try to make it and boom, right into the river where it's like three feet deep. We didn't make it even out off the platform and it hurt. It's times like these that I am thankful for what Isaiah chapter 55 tells us in the word of God. It simply says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I give you a cute, funny example, but I will tell you straight up that the funny times are not the only times that my thoughts and my ways have led to disaster, (laughs) Even in our church, you're probably thinking, well, there's some times we tried some things that you're like, you know what, Um, that was not God's way and that was not God's thought and I'd appreciate it if you try to just stick to what he's doing from now on. And God is saying that, look, my ways and my thoughts, they are higher, they are greater, they are better, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're planning, whatever you've got in mind, whatever your methods, whatever your great schemes, my ways, my thoughts, they're better. And church, I just want to tell you tonight, it is a, overall, it's a simple message. I am so thankful for this truth in God's word. Amen. 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 That we serve a God that at any time, any occasion, any situation has thoughts, has ways that are better than my own and better than your own. You know, our family, it's no secret, but my plan for my life was drastically different than what I now experience. And that applies in so many ways, my job, my career, what I wanted to do. Uh, but if you know me, you know that I have always said, I want like 14 kids, right? I want so many kids. And specifically, like I want every aspect. And the way that I picture 14 kids is like my wife, who is like soaking wet, 97 pounds or something, and like just the littlest, most petite person on the planet, so beautiful so small and like the idea is that 14 children are gonna are gonna come from my wife specifically and we even met in the middle like four four that's what we're aiming for and it's no secret like for us that we we actually uh it it is it's crazy and we said four is where we're gonna meet and then i'm thinking like okay we'll get to four but really like she'll get pregnant again we'll get to six or seven it's all good and so two years ago, as coming on three, uh, when we when she was pregnant for the second time, and you know the story, we, we lost our second child. It's like this big punch in the gut of like, but God, this was my thinking. Like, this was going to go great, and there was going to be more of these, and and, and it was just going to be, well, this was the way it was going to work. We're going to have a big family, and they're all going to come from, from this lady that, God, you gave me to be my wife, and we're going to do this together. And, and, and I had these thoughts, and I had these ways, and I still do. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm trusting the Lord. Uh, for her to get pregnant for us to have a child and and like I am trusting the Lord for that to happen and for his will to happen and if it's not that like praise God like he's got a better plan but I tell you this to say like even in that like there's just this truth that God's ways are better and his thoughts are better and I'm thinking about it a few days ago it's 10 30 at night and uh and Jordan's well I hear a phone ringing And I'm so used to like doing youth ministry and doing different types of ministry. And even in police work, like I'm used to my phone specifically going off in the middle of the night. And it's never Jordan's, it's always mine. And she's so used to like, and so patient with me having to like get out of bed, throw some socks on and like go into the kitchen and have like an hour long conversation with whatever kid or adult or person, you know, it needs to talk at two o'clock in the morning. And so the other night, it's like, not that late, 1046, but we're going to sleep and Jordan's phone is ringing. And I look and it's one of our kids. It's one of the kids from the school. Um, she's a, a sophomore, a junior actually, in a sophomore in high school and it's ringing. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, wow, like there's a kid calling Jordan now. And the young lady was in trouble, and she reached out to Jordan and she needed some advice. And, and it just made me, it stood out so incredibly. Like I stopped for a moment, lying there in bed, and knowing we're preaching this message, and you know, like I have planned this, this massive plan of having all these children, and, and specifically my wife giving birth to all these children. And I'm stopping for a moment, and I'm thinking, like, God, like your ways are better than my ways, and your thoughts are better than my thoughts. And like this, this idea that God, in his sovereignty and in his wisdom, and in his love. Love for me and for my wife and for our family. Like he has given us something that is amazing. He has given us young people to invest in and love that call us in the middle of the night and like see us as these people they can turn to. And I began to think even more about it. And I realized like Ruru doesn't have siblings of his own on this earth, but like he is literally, like this kid is going five days out of the week to a place where there are older brothers and sisters that are playing with him and investing in him. And like every Saturday night I'm coming into a place like this and I'm watching my nieces and and, and my nephew, like nephews running around like having fun and like seeing them and realizing like God has given me a family. And he's given me a massive family and he, he's continually every day, like I just think of the, the amount of kids that I have got to not raise as a direct parent, but like invest in and love and cherish. And I think sometimes I'm so busy making my plans for my life that God is saying, listen, I've got ways and I've got thoughts. And if you would pay attention to them, like I love you. And I am giving you such a beautiful life and such a beautiful plan that is my plan. And I just want to tell you tonight, like this truth, hold it, cherish it, know like there are things, you are making schemes and plans and ideas and methods and ways in your life and God is saying, look, I've got better ones. I've got better ones. And you would have so much more peace and joy And hope, and understanding, and wisdom. If you would just pay attention to my ways, and my thoughts. You know the the heart of this, though. I think we see it in in all of its beauty and grandeur. If we go two chapters back to Isaiah fifty (laughs) three. You know, this follow-up, chapter 55, he's saying, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Two chapters before this, Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel and he's telling them about the Messiah that they're waiting on. And there's this expectation and there's a reality. For Israel, the expectation was that this person was going to come and this person would be strong and handsome, loved and accepted by everyone. This person would be a ruler of the people. This person would be successful in battle and diplomacy. They were waiting on this Messiah that was going to set Israel right, restore their nation and rule their people in peace and justice. And Isaiah writes in chapter 53 about this person, this Messiah. Check this out. Isaiah 53 verse one, Isaiah writes to the people of Israel and says, who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Isaiah says, look, this person is not going to be beautiful. There's not going to be anything majestic about this person. You're going to look at this person and they're going to be pretty normal to you. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Isaiah says the Messiah is coming. He's going to be despised, not loved, despised. He's going to be rejected, not approved. Literally, this person is going to be despised by others and people are going to hide their faces from what's happening to this Messiah and they are not going to esteem him. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted; yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah says to a people that are literally waiting for this ruler, this king, to come and exert an iron fist and exert his authority and conquer the enemy nations and establish Israel again. And Isaiah says, "Listen, this Messiah is going to come. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be beaten. He's going to suffer. He's going to be afflicted. But he's not going to say a." Word. He's going to be like a lamb that is being led to slaughter. Not an objection is going to come out of his mouth. Verse 8 By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Isaiah says, listen, you're expecting this, but reality is a suffering servant King, despised, rejected, no form of beauty, oppressed and afflicted, meek and humble, innocently slaughtered and treated like the wicked. Church, what you need to hear tonight is Isaiah is saying, listen, you want Israel to be reestablished, but the reality is your sin, your shame, your guilt, your transgression, your iniquity is greater than just needing to be restored as a nation. And praise God that He looked at us, and you know, we worry about these little things like, oh, I don't feel well today. Uh, I'm struggling in my job. My family is not doing well. We think of all these little things, and God is saying, Look, I see you. I see you. And because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts, I can see the actual problem. And Isaiah says, The actual problem is you, like a sheep, have gone astray. And even if the Messiah would come back and give you your expectation, If the Messiah would come back and conquer the enemies of Israel, make them a nation again, make them the most powerful nation on earth, the truth would remain that Israel and all the people around them are stuck in iniquity. One of the greatest lessons that we learned in losing our second child was that there was this peace and hope that came in the fact that in reality, like my son was miraculously healed. My first child was miraculously healed. But the truth remains that one day, Rudy Lee Draper IV is going to die. As a parent, it's the most scary truth that exists. One day, my child is going to die. And the truth remains that even though God has healed him physically, if he dies without the Lord Jesus Christ, he will die and spend eternity without relationship with God. And praise God that he sees into you and me, into that truth for each of us. It's true for my son, it's true for me, and it's true for you tonight. Praise God that he looks at you and he looks past that surface level tension, that surface level problem, and he sees that deep in your heart, the greatest problem that lies in you and lies in me is sin. And where we're looking for a ruler and an easy fix to our problem, God says, I have the better solution. I'm going to send my son to be despised, rejected, mocked, beaten, humbly go to the cross to die for your sin and to rise from the grave to heal what actually ails you. I would have loved to have been there in that moment where that man was paralyzed and literally like the whole world is seeing this man and they're seeing he's laying on the ground, he can't walk. And if you see the guy and you're a doctor, like he comes into your office, into your medical practice, it's going to be obvious the doctors going to be like, well, what do you think is his problem, doc? Well, duh, his legs don't work. He can't stand. He can't walk. It's obvious this is his problem. But I love that his friends, they get him through the roof, and they're like, okay, I'm taking him to this doctor. I'm taking him to Jesus. And they begin to tear up this person's roof, which I think is so bold on their part. And they tear up his roof, and they lower this guy through the roof, and they lay him on the floor in front of Jesus. And I love that Jesus looks at this man, and the expectation of the crowd is literally like, what they're expected to do is Jesus is gonna, I don't know, spit on the dirt and rub it on his legs, or like massage his leg, or place his hand on it, or say, my child, be healed. And all of a sudden, God's gonna be jumping and shouting, and I love that Jesus, The expectation is one thing, but Jesus literally looks at this guy, and in essence, he says, Look, you're all expecting this, my ways aren't that. And my thoughts aren't that. When I see this guy, yes, I see his legs are not working. But when I see this guy, what I see is his heart. And I love that Jesus, before he said a word about his legs, looked at the man and said, My son, your sins are forgiven. And it was only after the crowd got all in an uproar and said, who is this guy? Who is this guy to forgive sins? That's blasphemy. And Jesus looks at them and says, fine, what's harder? To look at this man and say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, walk. And the man gets up and his legs are restored. But I love that God knows our actual problem. And I want you to know tonight that God knows your actual problem. God knows that deep down what is wrong with you and what is wrong with me is the sin that has corrupted everything around us and entered our heart. And his response is to send a Messiah that is not a ruling uh, exerting his authority over Israel king, but a suffering servant king who went to the cross. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And I want you to hear tonight, maybe for the first or the millionth time, time. What Isaiah has said. He said, God is sending his Messiah and he's going to be that lamb that goes in complete innocence and pays for the wicked. And without a blemish or a spot upon him, goes to the cross for every spot, every blemish, every brokenness, every sin, every bit of shame, every bit of guilt that exists in you and me he's gonna take it upon himself. I praise God that his ways are different and that his thoughts are different. And I'm reminded tonight that I am incapable. Hear this tonight, this is you as well. You are literally incapable of fixing yourself. Do you know that? I think sometimes we need to be reminded Like there is no chance in this world, no process, no method, no thought process, no 12-step plan, no get-better self-help plan, no meetings. There is nothing ever you can do. There's no thought you can come up with or method you can make to fix yourself. It will not happen. And there's this reminder tonight for the church, for the Christian in the room tonight, that even as a Christian, that doesn't change. As a pastor, like this is one of my daily prayers, like to remember don't go in there trying to do this on your own. Because you did not, look, the only way I think something that God wants me to do is by the Holy Spirit. The only way I do something in the way God wants it to be done is by the Holy Spirit. Literally, you are incapable, church, incapable, brother, sister, incapable of thinking or acting according to God's will, lest His Holy Spirit does so, works in you. It's the only way it happens. So I want to invite you tonight. Look, this is such a a simple message, but I just stopped for a moment in this. and And I just had a moment this week where I was reading this passage and I was like, whoa, I'm so thankful. Whoa, I'm so thankful. Look, this is one of the most familiar passages of scripture, but check this out. Often we separate it from the rest of where it is. We quote it, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And usually, like it's just this idea, often I've heard it used to like, look at someone that's coming up with an idea that you think is silly. Or maybe it's just me. And somebody would be like, listen, no, 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 your ways are not the Lord's ways, your thoughts are not the Lord's thoughts. And it's almost used as a weapon, right? But I want you to hear this tonight. This was not God's way of taking a moment in Scripture. Now, it is entirely true, but his purpose was not to take a moment in Scripture and say, Hold up. uh, Humility check. Listen, y'all. I just want to remind you I'm better than you. That's not God's heart here. Check this out. That's absolutely true. God's better than you. But check this out. Read the passage around it. Chapter 55, verse 1 begins like this. Come. Come. Me, Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Listen to this, church. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Then we read, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And he follows in verse 10, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn shall. Come up to the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. God's purpose in saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. He's literally saying, I am telling you this truth so you will realize that you are invited to my thoughts and you are invited to my ways and that my ways are not going to be unsuccessful. They are not going to fail. My word does not go out and return void. My purpose will not be thwarted. So I want to invite you, come, seek the Lord so that you can participate in this truth. Yo, I want to remind you tonight of a difficult truth. And I'll close in a minute. And I know nobody likes to hear this. I don't like to remind myself of this, but literally, hear this tonight God does not need you. Hear me out on this. Like, God had nothing about, nothing was necessary for you as a human being to be in relationship with Him. There is one thing and one thing only that ties God to you. And it's the fact that in his sovereignty, he made a covenant. His word is the only thing that binds you to him. He's God. He is not less without you. He is not uh, less healthy. He is not, there's nothing about God that is changed or diminished without your presence. So he literally could have said, listen, you human are entirely different from me. You are incapable of being righteous. You, I could give you commands all day long. You would always be disobedient. You are corrupted. Your heart is wicked. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts, we are different, you and me. Goodbye. Praise God that he looked at you and me. He did not need you, but he wanted you. Praise God that he said, even though I am different, I am higher, I am better, I am greater, I am majestic, I am my sovereignty, I am perfect, but I want you to be in relationship with me. That the God of all creation, look, I can hardly stand to be with me some days. And Jordan would say, Amen. The person next to you, undoubtedly, look, they're not going to tell you this, so I'll tell them for you. They get sick of you. Amen. They do. <laughs> Every single one of you in here at some point are going to aggravate the people around you if you're together long enough. You're going to drive each other crazy. Amen. Every single person in this room, if I've spent more than a few meetings with you, I promise you, at some point, you grated graded my nerves. Uh, Amen. Amen. And the beautiful thing is like me and you tolerating each other, that's somewhat understandable because you're imperfect and I'm imperfect. I'm messy and you're messy. So it sounds easy for us to go, you know what? Listen, I got problems too. So I'll tolerate your problems. But hear me tonight. The God of all creation is not in that scenario. There is no time, no way, nothing about God. It is 100% one way you have aggravated the Lord. The Lord cannot offend you. Offend you in the sense of if you don't like what he said, maybe. But the Lord has never wronged you, never broken a promise to you, never betrayed you, never lied to you, never not loved you, never not showed love to you, never not showed compassion to you, never not extended grace to you, never not extended mercy to you, never been unfair to you, never been unjust to you, ever, nor will he. So he would be entirely in the right to look at you and to look at me and say, you know what, you make me sick, I'm disgusted, you aggravate me to no end, I'm done with you. But instead, he looks at us and he says, come. You're thirsty? Come. Come to the waters. You're broke? No money? Come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price, just come. Seek me, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him, he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts return to the Lord. Church, this is one of the most, the most beautiful truth that could ever exist. That your creator looked at you and looked at me and decided that you were worth pursuing and you were worth inviting and you were worth sending His Son to humble Himself even to death upon a cross so that you could be in relationship with the Father. I can tell you with absolute certainty, if I were God, And praise God, I'm not. I wouldn't have done that for you. I wouldn't have done it. I love you, each and every one of you. I love you, I wouldn't have done that for you. And I'm willing to bet that most of you would not have either. So I'm thankful tonight to no end that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. So I wanna offer tonight the invitation of Isaiah 55. As we take communion together, first, I want you to know if you do not already, how much God loves you. And that this is not an invitation that God makes arbitrarily. That by Jesus Christ, the thirsty receive water, the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, and the dead come to life by faith in Him. That's the invitation. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for this time that we have together. Thank you for your plans for us. Thank you that all of your plans, your will is perfect. Thank you that we can trust you completely and entirely. Lord, as we take communion together, I pray that if any, any single person in the room or online does not know with absolute certainty Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would draw them unto yourself at this table. And God, I pray that you would equip us to submit to your ways, to submit to your thoughts as disciples of Jesus Christ, to be faithful and obedient to you. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray that our time together is honoring to you. Help us to continue in worship by your Holy Spirit. Amen.